Welcome to the Playoff P Basketball Podcast, and I am your host, Preston Atisha. And in this podcast, I will be sparking discussion on everything NBA, with game summaries, daily news, hot takes, rumors, and much more. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode two of the Playoff P Basketball Podcast. I am recording after Game 5 of the Western Conference Finals. The Golden State Warriors, in a shocker to me, have beat the Mavs. Well, not shocking that they beat the Mavs, but beat the Mavs 4-1 and are going to the NBA Finals. Congratulations to them. To me, I didn't think they were going to make it to the NBA Finals. Um, Maybe for a, a small portion in the regular season early on that I was like, oh, these guys are good enough. Um, But after the all-star break, I didn't think uh, they'd be here, be here where they're, where they're at now. So congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. I'll get into that series in some time. I'd like to talk about the Eastern Conference Finals first, because that's where I'm really tuned in. I've been rooting for Miami. If you follow me, you know, I've been rooting for Miami for the entire playoffs because I just like their team. And to me, they're underdogs, even though they're the first seed. They're probably like one of the most disrespected first seeds I could remember in in the past, you know, past five to 10 years. So anyways, they're currently down three to two against Boston. They're down three to two against the Boston Celtics. They had a game five at home and they lost and that was probably probably the series right there but the name of this episode is the series isn't over till it's over and before i get to the like last two games that miami has played and they have they have done some historical stuff and not in a good way probably some of the worst offense ever in the last two games for Miami, and it, and, it, and it sucks. But they're still in the series. Celtics were down 3-2 to two against the Milwaukee Bucks, and they won. Uh, my LA Clippers were down 3-2 to two against the Dallas Mavericks last year, and they won. The Milwaukee Bucks were down 3-2 to two to the Brooklyn Nets in the second round last year, and they won and ended up winning the championship. So this is... This is what's funny because, and this is also a pet peeve, but I understand what goes on on Twitter and stuff. There's so many reactions after one game. One game, someone's legacy is made. They're the best player. They're a top 10 player. They're a top whatever player. They're a superstar. And the next game, oh, they're not even a top 30 player. Oh, this guy can't even score. Oh, this guy was never, uh, never, um, he's never done that before. He's never been a superstar he's never been a number one on a championship contender and then the next game oh no no he is like it's just wild you know what i mean a lot of people do stick to their takes you know they die by them most of the time but um it's just funny the reactions and and i think that's a reason why the reactions are so crazy you know after every game is because people when when they're wrong they're quiet but when they're right they're like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna push the hell out of this agenda this narrative, I'm pushing it all the way. I get it. It's funny 
it's entertaining. But uh, someone I like, I follow on Twitter. Um, his name on Twitter is JP the Truth Teller. He said, the problem we have in basketball today is hater culture. And I thought that was funny, and I thought that was true. I've been sa- I've been talking about that for a long time, um, and that's very true. Just a lot of haters. People want people to fail. Fans want their people that whoever their not favorite players are, they want them to fail. Do I like Golden State Warriors? Not really, because they've won championships before. But at the same time, congrats. Good for them. Good for Curry. You know Curry. <laughs> What Curry's doing, if he does the, if he gets another championship, there's a lot of fan bases that are stressing about that. Um, you know, I don't want to name any names, but we know we know the deal. We know the deal on that, and we know the agenda being pushed on that. Like I respect even the teams and players I don't like, but those fans of Curry are crazy fans. Steph Curry fans, they're 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 an army. They're a, you know they're going to war if if they win the championship, but. Anyways, back to the Miami-Boston series. Start off with Game 3, because last time at the on the podcast, it was 1-1. And Boston had just blown out the Miami Heat. After Game 2, as a Heat rooter fan, kind of, it was concerning to see Boston blow them out. And then in Game 1, Boston had a pretty great first half, and then a terrible third quarter. And then they bounced back, and they won three out of four quarters, which, by the way, I hate the way people have been talking about that. Before before the series is 3-2, when it was 2-2, everyone's like, oh, Boston won this many quarters and Miami won this many, uh, whatever. It's about a win or a loss at the end of the day. And who gives a crap who wins quarters and who doesn't win? You know what I mean? Whoever gets the W at the end is the winner. And whoever loses is the loser. Simple. But I'm, the Miami stole game one, to be honest. And then they got embarrassed in game two. On to game three. I call this the Bam game. Bam Adebayo is one of my favorite players. He has 31 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 block, 4 steals. He looked like the best player on the court. Unbelievable game. I talked about it in the last podcast that what Miami needed was his aggressiveness and was Coach Bo to get him involved. And also, they needed Kyle Lowry. Why? Because they paid Kyle Lowry for these moments. Now... I wanted to record the pod after yesterday's game five, but I was upset and I don't think I was in, you know, I like to wait till the day after when the emotions are settled and you kind of take the emotion out of it. And then you just look at, you know, all the context and you get to make your, your, you get to say your takes and have your, have your, you know, my decision on whatever, whether I'm going to criticize this guy or not. You know, there's been a lot of injuries in this series, but anyways, Kyle Lowry returns game three has an impact. 11 points, 6 assists. Boston didn't have Robert Williams. Marcus Smart got hurt but came back. Um, and surprisingly, Miami, from the get-go, was dominant. They won the first quarter 39-18. to 18. They ended up being up 25 in the first half of Game 3, but Boston closed the end of the first half on a 10-0 run and cut the lead to 15. Once the second half starts, Jimmy Butler, who hadn't really made an impact, who hasn't made an impact on any first half of any game up until now and up until then, too. For some reason, he's just kind of been quiet in the first half. Unlike, and you, you know, it doesn't really matter because if you do your thing and you do your job in the second half, then, you know, you do your thing, that's fine. But um, he ends up being hurt. He has a knee 
suspicious injury, but he ends up having a knee injury, and there was a video of, like, Peyton Pritchard grabbing his leg, which I don't think that would have caused it, you know? We've been through that with the Jordan Poole-Memphis thing, but I don't know. It was it was very weird. Everyone was surprised by that. Jimmy Butler's not playing in the second half, and I was scared for Miami. And like Skip Bayless said, Miami literally stole the game. Miami, 19 steals as a team. Oladipo, who didn't play a minute, had four steals. Um, Tyler Hero didn't have a great game. And I'll get to that in a second. Max uh, Boston ends up coming back and cutting the lead to one point after being down by 15. And it looked like you know they were going to get the win because at the time, at one point in the game, they had 28 free throw attempts to Miami's four free throw attempts. And it's been a long time since I complained about the referees. But in game three, the referees were terrible. Absolutely horrific. Very one-sided. Just bad calls all around, but... 28 free throws for Boston compared to four for Miami. Bam Adebayo has a 31-point game and only has one free throw attempted. Doesn't doesn't add up at all. But last podcast, I said that if Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum combine for 50 or more in every single game, they're probably going to win the series. But they combined for 50 points in game three and lost. Jason Tatum had 10 and Jalen Brown had 40 points. Stephen A. Smith said it was one of the worst 40-point performances ever because of the turnovers. Victor Oladipo picked his pocket four times in the in the third quarter and forced a couple other turnovers. Um, crazy. So, Miami gets a great win on Game 3 on the road, and they do their job. I knew for a fact that it was going to be a 2-2 series heading back to Miami for Game 5. But I did expect Miami to come out with some fight in game four because Jimmy Butler was back and Boston has Robert Williams playing but no Marcus Smart in game four and Miami another weird injury not suspicious but just you know he looked fine in game three Tyler Hero has a groin injury and Tyler Hero's out for game four surprisingly the game starts 18 to 1 Boston is winning 18 to 1. Miami started 0 for 14. And they didn't get their first field goal till Victor Oladipo came in off the bench with four minutes remaining. He had a three. Terrible game for Miami. Jimmy Butler finishes the game with 6.7 rebounds, three for 14, zero free throw attempts. Kyle Lowry, who had a good game three, game four. Three points, one for six, two assists. Um <laughs> Max Struess, who I love. Because he's my birthday twin. He goes 0 for 7. 0, 0, 0. 0 points, 0 rebounds, 0 assists. He only played 15 minutes, but 0 for 7, 0 for 4 from 3. And the funny part about it was the game started. Derek White had the first 7 points on Max Strews. And it was 7-0. But then it was 18-1. to 1. And Heat fans, obviously. Oh, where's the bam that was in game 3? Where's this and this and that? I'm going to just say it right now. And this has to do with game 5-2. Because the Heat are down 3-2. You could not expect Bam Adebayo to dominate games when you have Kyle Lowry playing bad. Really, really bad. And you have Jimmy Butler playing bad. When Jimmy Butler has been tearing it up these whole entire playoffs. And yeah, they could be hurt. But they're playing. And Jeff Van Gundy said it in game 5. If you're going to play minutes, you got to play well. Especially Kyle Lowry. Because he's the facilitator. He's setting up the offense. And I didn't think that the Heat 
when Tyler Hero was announced out from games four and five, that it was going to be a big deal. But it showed right away that even when he's shooting bad, he shot four for 15, 0 for six from three in the game three. But even when he's shooting bad, he has like an offensive aura to him where the defense, he keeps the defense honest. He creates off the dribble. He gets to his he gets to his spots. Even if he misses his shots, at least he gets to his spots. Unlike Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler, you know, sometimes they're not shooting the shots they should be. At least Tyler Tyler Hero will will, will get it will let it go. Will you know shoot the hell out of the ball. The only issue I have with Tyler Hero is his defense has been really really bad, and he hasn't had a good playoffs. Um. And the and the Heat fans and other fans love to. I don't know why. Like, how can you slander a player like Bam? I get it. You you only like these people. These players only get like crazy slander when the expectations are high. I agree. Bam hasn't been what I thought he could be in the in these playoffs. But to say he's been bad and he's not worth a max contract and this and this and that, that's bull. Bam Adebayo is a great player. And even certain games he didn't score double digits. He balled out on defense. Game one, when Miami stole the game, he only had eight or nine points. And he was dominant on the defensive end, helping Miami uh, have that dominant third quarter. And I hate, okay, game four. You're down 18 to one. Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler aren't playing high, high IQ basketball. You expect Bam Adebayo to just get the ball, drive in, on Robert Williams and Al Horford and score every time or pull up on a jumper on Grant Williams on three good elite defenders when Kyle Lowry isn't even taking the shots he should be taking and then when he shoots it doesn't like it game 4 looked didn't look right at all okay game 4 was terrible right on to game 5 Miami did their job you look at the positive outlook at it they have home court advantage it's a 2-2 series Miami did their job. They won game three. And I'm like, okay, Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry are going to play their ass off in game five. In game five, at halftime, I was really happy. Miami's up in game five, 42 to 37. No Tyler Hero. Getting contributions off the bench from Gabe Vincent and from Caleb Martin. And Bam Adebayo had 10 points at the half. Very active. But Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry still were not. We're not the same. They, they, they weren't. There's something wrong with them. And I get it. They're dealing with injuries. But like I said, if you're playing, you need to play well. And it sucked to see this because, you know, you go as far as your best player takes you. It's tough. It's tough to talk about because I like I love Jimmy Butler and I'm a big Butler fan and I'm a big Kyle Lowry guy. And let me tell you something about Kyle Lowry. All the slander has been, you know, Kyle Lowry. I'll just tell you. Kyle Lowry, um, the last two games has been one for 12 in games five and game four. Game four and game five, I mean. <laughs> one for 12. And he's only had, I think, z- oh, zero assists. I mean, my bad, two assists in two games. He had six assists in game three, two assists in game four and game five. You could just tell that. Okay, if his injury is hurting him, why is he playing? Both times Gabe Vincent came in the game in Game 5. 
the energy changed. The energy shifted, and Miami was looking like a looking good, looking like they were playing in a conference finals game. But then, just the energy from Butler and and Lowry, and when no Tyler Hero is there, where okay, Tyler Hero is not scoring, but he's a threat. Okay, you're missing that threat. You need Jimmy Butler to you know put it put 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 points put points up. You need Kyle Lowry to shoot open shots. Oh, don't forget Max Strews. Max Strews has been 0 for 16 the last two games. He didn't score a point in game three. My bad, game four. And he scored four points yesterday, only four free throws. Combined, the starting backcourt for the Miami Heat in the last two games have been 1 for 28. And that's a shocker to me because... Max Struess hit the clutchest shot in Game 3 to kind of give Miami a little separation before Bam Adebayo closed it out. And you would expect, like, oh, this guy, he has the guts to make that shot. He's cold-blooded, you know? And then to go 0 for 16 in two games, it's just wild to me. 1 for 28 in that backcourt. And you kind of, like, you knew... You knew um, Coach Spo was um, kind of desperate because he was playing Duncan Robinson a lot and just hoping Duncan Robinson. And Duncan Robinson, I won't say he played bad yesterday, but he's overpaid, man. He's just way too overpaid. He shot three for 10 from three, finally hit a three when it mattered. Um, and, you know, he had a decent first half, but his defense is so bad. His He makes Tyler Hero look like the one of the best defenders on the Heat. And, and Duncan Robinson, like, it's crazy. Boston just puts him in pick and roll. And, like, he doesn't even, like, try to, like... I get it. It's part of the game plan. But he doesn't even try to, like, hedge. He doesn't try to, like... Like, he's just, like, running around like a like a madman with his hands up. Uh, his back turned to the ball every time. And they're throwing passes over him. They're, they're, they're driving in on him while his back is turned. I, I, like, I don't care how much offense you score unless you're Trey Young, man. You can't... You can't play that type of defense, especially like his body. He's long and he's and he's and he's he has long arms. Like I don't know, maybe his confidence is is hit, but I don't know. Just I feel bad. I I, I had some criticism for Coach Spolstra after games two, and now I see that Coach Spo can't do everything. But I saw on Twitter someone said, well, he could change the rotations if someone's struggling. He could make a difference there. Okay, you're right. Caleb Martin had a great game five yesterday. He only played 15 minutes. Oh, but he, he doesn't really, he's not an offensive whatever. Okay, Caleb Martin went one for three from three. Okay, Duncan Robinson, three for 10. Gabe Vincent, who had a great game, one for seven. Jimmy Butler, one for five. P.J. Tucker, one for five. Kyle Lowry, 0 for five. Uh, Max Strews, 0 for seven from three yesterday. Um, why, why is Caleb Martin only playing 15 minutes? He needs to play more than Duncan. He needs to play more than Struess if Struess isn't hitting shots. And, and yeah, and it, it, game five, Eastern Conference Finals. Okay, you're hurt. Only a few players on Miami showed, showed the energy I wanted to see. P.J. Tucker, um, and these guys weren't perfect at all. Bam Adebayo, P.J. Tucker, um, Hey, Duncan Robinson. Gabe Vincent was the best player on Miami, in my opinion. Um, he, he gave him a big boost. Now, 
listen to this kind of stat. I, I didn't, it's not made up, but it's just a funny stat. So in game four, Miami started out 0 for 14. And Kyle Lowry was at the helm of that at point guard. You know, the facilitator, the main guy with the ball handling duties, him and Jimmy. 0 for 14. To start game five, Miami was 0 for 6. They had a rough start offensively. And then to start the second half of game five, they were 0 for 8. It didn't change till Gabe Vincent got in the game. And Gabe Vincent didn't have a good game four. So that kind of makes sense why Heat got blown out so quickly and it wasn't even a game all game. At least Gabe Vincent had a good game at home. He did his job. He gave the Heat energy. Um, and that falls on on just the whole team, you know. The, uh, I don't know. I, like You, you want to say, like, oh, Coach Spolstra didn't have his players prepared. But, like, Kyle Lowry, you're a future Hall of Famer, man. If you're not good enough to play, then don't play. Three points, one for 12 in the last two games in the Eastern Conference Finals? I'm a big Kyle Lowry guy, man. Let me tell you why. If a player struggles his whole entire career in the playoffs and is always coming up short in the playoffs, but he has that one year where he doesn't come up short and instead he comes up big and he does things to lead his team, to help lead his team, and that's what Kyle Lowry did in 2019 with Kawhi Leonard. He was the point guard of that team. He's a six-time All-Star. I don't care how many years in a row he didn't. He came up short in the playoffs or he shot terribly in the playoffs. Or If you did it one time, to me, you have it in you always. And yeah, we could pick, pick and choose, you know. You could look, hey, he had great games, some playoff games, and some playoff games he didn't. But all, all around, he, he could do this. He's capable of this. He did it in Game 3. And he didn't even score a lot. He only had 11 points. But he, he's capable of it. But if he's incapable because he's hurt, then he shouldn't be playing. Because Gabe Vincent, Miami's 7-1 with Gabe Vincent starting in these playoffs. Now, the big part of all of this is Jimmy Butler. Yesterday I was upset. I was like, where's his energy? Okay, maybe he is injured. Maybe he's not. He said his knee is fine. He's not on the injury report tomorrow for game six. Since game three, so games three, four, and five, Jimmy Butler is 10 for 40 from the field for 25%. Now, this is the craziest stat of them all. 10 for 40 from the field, that's terrible. But the craziest stat for Jimmy Butler, especially in these playoffs, six free throw attempts in three games. Six free throw attempts in three games. Obviously, he didn't play the second half of game three. Six free throw attempts, though. I was just talking about the podcast last, talking about on the podcast last week that I was in the gym practicing that Jimmy Butler plum fake because it's a it's a it's a it's a beauty it's a beautiful it's an art form the way he pump fakes he's so good at it he's so good at drawing fouls. Credit to the Celtics defense for being disciplined and protecting the paint. And throwing different bodies at him. And just not fouling. And that's part of it. But the other part of it is Jimmy Butler's energy is off. And that's why I still have hope for the Miami Heat to win game six and go back and play game seven. Because if Jimmy Butler's Jimmy Butler, like I, I, I'm so confident in Miami. 
And I understand the stakes are high and players fold. But I think Jimmy's one of those guys who could do it. And now if he loses tomorrow, they're going to be talking about, oh, Jimmy Butler, he's always had playoff woes. Kyle Lowry's always had playoff woes. Bam can't get it done as a second best player on a, on a team. Just a bunch of criticism and, and hate. And, and another thing they were saying was, oh, Boston has so many more weapons. Joel Embiid tweeted that Boston has too many weapons and the Heat need another all-star. I don't believe that. Yeah, Boston might have better shooters and maybe guys that could do stuff off the dribble. But you can't tell me that my that Boston has more weapons than the Heat. Guys, Lowry and Max Struess won for 28. Historically bad numbers from the Miami Heat the last two games. The, like they have the weapons, the weapons just aren't playing the right are playing bad. They're folding under pressure. They have weapons. You know, and that's why I hope tomorrow, I hope I see Caleb Martin play 30 minutes. I'm not kidding. And I hope P.J. Tucker plays 40 minutes and Bam Adebayo plays the whole game. <laughs> no joke. And I hope Jimmy Butler wakes up and sees that, okay, yeah, you're down 3-2. But to win a championship, you have to go through adversity. And you're in adversity staring right at you at the fa- in the face. Now, people, fans in the NBA are riding Miami off, most mostly everybody. And the reason why is because no one's seen them face adversity this season. They tied 2-2 with the, like, they've been really good, but they've played teams that just weren't on their level. Now they're playing a team on their level in the Celtics, and they're facing adversity. And Coach Spolstra said it today, or he said it yesterday, he said, my group of guys, they're meant for this. And I believe him. And I believe Coach Spo is going to do everything in his mind to win this game tomorrow. And even if they lose, it's going to be a fight. I just hope I don't see what I've seen the last two games. 20-point blowouts. Um, no energy. No energy. Miami scored 80 points in game five, and they scored 82 in game four. That's crazy, guys. That's just unbelievable. And I hope I like you need, you need Max Struess to hit shots. You, you just need a few shots from each of these guys. And I bet if Tyler Hero plays tomorrow, and I hope he's healthy if he plays. Uh, if he's not healthy, just just don't play, you know. But if he's healthy, I think he gives Miami a boost and confidence to play much better tomorrow. Miami had the perfect chance in Game 5. They were up by 5 at halftime. But this is the crazy thing, and I have forgot to mention this. The concerning thing to me after Game 4, because after Game 4 I said, just trying to be positive. I was just like, you know what? Miami got a win on the road, and they regained home court advantage. But what was concerning, just like it was concerning after two games, Boston didn't play good in game four. They didn't play good at all in game four. Let me me read you some stats from Boston. Boston shot 24% from the three-point line in game four. Eight for 34. Boston... Shot 40% from the field. Um, Jason Tatum bounced back after a 10-point game. He had 31 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Also, congratulations to Jason Tatum for first-team All-NBA. Very deserving of that. He's been great all playoffs, and he's been great all season. Um, Jason Tatum, 1 for 7 from 3 in Game 4. Derek White, 1 for 8 from 3. 
Al Horford, one for one. He's been balling. <laughs> he only had five points, though. But Jalen Brown, one for six. Grant Williams, one for five. Peyton Pritchard, three for six. But a couple of those were like the game was kind of out. So, like, these guys didn't play good. And they won by 20. So, hell yeah, that's concerning. That's very concerning. Both teams played like shit. But one team won by 20. Come on now. That was also kind of concerning in game five. So after halftime, the Heat are up 42-37. You know, Bam was was good, and Gabe Vincent came in, and, and also Coach Spolstra, who the reason why I'm not criticizing him, he's doing his best. He went small in game five in the first half and in the second half, and it worked both times for a, for a period of time. It worked, and it got the Heat the lead at halftime. I said to myself, Jimmy Butler, or well, mostly Jimmy Butler, has to step up at the, in the second half for Miami to win game five. And he just, he just wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't Jimmy Butler that we've been seeing. And and I just want Jimmy Butler to, you know, I'm not going to give up on Jimmy Butler, even if he loses this series. And, you know, I, I like this Miami team, you know, obviously I think the Clippers are going to win the championship next year, but I still think Miami Heat are a championship contender, even next season, with this squad. Um, I'll get to that in a second, their future if they lose. But the series isn't over till it's over. That's why I named this podcast that. Uh, let's give the Celtics some credit in Game 5. Oh, but what I was going to say was Celtics didn't play good in the first half of Game 5. And they're only down 5 points. And they didn't play good. They only scored 37 points in the first half. And then they end up winning by 13. Actually, they took a 20-point lead at one point. Unbelievable game. Jalen Brown, who had a terrible first quarter with four turnovers, ends up not having a turnover the rest of the game. He goes 10 for 19 from the field, 25 points. Jason Tatum, 22 points, 12 rebounds, 9 assists. Almost a triple-double. Al Horford, baller, 16 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 turnover only. 2 blocks, 1 steal. Robert Williams, who has made the biggest difference, even though he's only playing uh, not even a lot of minutes, only like... 20 to 25 minutes. Game 5, he played 27. He had 12 points, 9 rebounds in Game 4, and 6 points, 10 rebounds. But he just makes a difference on defense. He had 3 blocks and 1 steal yesterday. Um, Marcus Smart, who is injured, like, to be honest, I want to see Marcus Smart on the court. He's not the same. Miami can attack him, and they haven't done a good job of attacking him. He played 24 minutes last night, and he's a plus 13. Um, like if he's in the game, I get it. He's a defensive player of the year, but guys, his ankle is, is, is swollen as hell. He's kind of playing on one, like, you know, he he looks like he's grimacing and you got to take advantage of that. You have to. Derek White comes in for him and has another great game. 14 points, five assists, six for eight from the field, one block, two steals. Derek White wasn't doing anything in the Bucks series, but Grant Williams was, and now in this series, the roles have switched. I give Boston a lot of credit. Um, to all my viewers out there, I still haven't decided if Boston does beat Miami, who I'm going to root for, Golden State Warriors or Boston. But I'll talk about that you know, probably after a couple games in the finals. But um, uh, I don't know. I don't really care. But I just want the Miami Heat to bounce back from these two terrible losses. I want to see Jimmy Butler fight for his life. 
someone put a, a sh like some cortisone shot in his knee. Get him, get him going. Get some energy. Drink some big face coffee before the game. I need Jimmy Butler. I need him to be at his best. And Miami needs him to get a game seven and win this series and go to the NBA Finals. Someone brought up on Twitter that Jimmy Butler, just like Kyle Lowry, is another player who has his playoff woes. And I decided to look at the game log and see, you know, his playoffs. And, you know, he, to me, Jimmy Butler is, a, is an all-star. He's a great player, future Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Um, I wouldn't say he has playoff woes, but as a number one option, there's been a few times where he hasn't done enough in every single game of the series that he played in to get his team to the next round. But that's what separates Jimmy Butler from LeBron James and Giannis and, and Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant. And I don't think – I'd like to say Jimmy Butler's a top 10 player, but I'd put him at like 11 or 12. But I haven't done the list in my head yet, so I wouldn't know. But um, he's been great these playoffs. Even if he has another bad game tomorrow, he's had a great season, a great bounce-back season. But the haters will just slander him and be like, oh, this is the normal Jimmy Butler. You know how it is. But that's not true. Uh, one reason I like Jimmy Butler is I have actually met Jimmy Butler in downtown San Diego at 2 in the morning, leaving a club. Um it was funny. I was talking to him. He was in a car with his with his friends, um, and I was really drunk. And I was just like talking to him, and it, we were talking about the series that he just played. He just got eliminated in the playoffs. He was playing with the Bulls. I think his last season in the, in a Bulls uniform. He had Dwayne Wade on the team and Rajon Rondo, and that was a series. Like I was like, you know, maybe Jimmy, you know, he could have taken, you know. Chicago to that, you know, past Boston, even though Boston was the favorite. But, you know, you guys remember that series. Great series. Uh, and Jimmy Butler, you know, he's had a lot of great playoff moments and he's had a lot and he's had a lot of, you know, downs too. It even out, it, it kind of evens out. Does Jimmy Butler have playoff woes? No. But you could argue yes because he doesn't have a championship. Um, and he's always, and he's chose. He's always wanted to be a number one option and be the number one guy and be the leader on his team. So Jimmy Butler, you're, it's still not over. You could take Miami to the championship and you could win an NBA championship, but you have to reach another level mentally and you have to play better and you have to gather the troops. You and Coach Spo have to be on the same page. You have to get Kyle Lowry playing well. Max Struess needs confidence. Duncan Robinson, hopefully he got minutes last game. He needs to keep playing better. Bam Adebayo, P.J. Tucker, the whole team. You guys have a chance here. Don't let the media and NBA fans say, oh, no, this is Boston's just the better team. Yeah, that might be the case, but if you play good, if you play great, you're the better team. You've already won two games. You're not that, you're not that far off from these guys. They have strengths, and they're playing to their strengths, and they're outplaying you. But they also have weaknesses, and you could exploit those. Now on to the Western Conference Finals. Congratulations to the Golden State Warriors for defeating the Dallas Mavericks 
in a gentleman's sweep four to one in the series they led three to oh three to zero my bad um last time i talked on the podcast warriors were up one oh i expected it to be two oh going into dallas and i kind of thought if dallas was going to have any chance in the series it was going to be a similar thing again that they whatever they did against the suns they were going to kind of do the same thing against the warriors maybe in different ways but you know they're going to win the games at home and then come up big in a game seven that's what i thought but everything almost changed sorry i had a bubble in my throat everything almost changed in game two the mavericks came out with fire and i said this in the last podcast that jason kidd in game one looked like the look on his face was oh damn i need to make that adjustment oh we're gonna do that oh i forgot about that like he looked like he kind of was happy that he kind of got to see golden state play their hand he got to see the way golden state you know how they reacted to luca and how they you know played defense and their offensive uh sets and you know who you know who's getting shots whatnot whatnot warriors played a a great game one and you know warriors I'll talk about them in a second, but just a great series from them all around. Um, I haven't gave them, gave them or even Boston a lot of credit in this series because um, I'm rooting for the underdog. But Golden State just, they're just a championship team. And it just comes, it just comes from that championship DNA. It comes from Stephen Curry, a top three or the second best point guard of all time. You know, I'll, that's a different debate for another day, but, you know, he's unbelievable. And he's putting up crazy stats, and no one's even, like, really talking about it. He actually won the Western Conference Finals uh, first MVP award, the Magic Johnson Western Conference Finals award. Congrats, Steph Curry. I know a lot of people wanted Wiggins to win, but Curry makes makes this stuff happen for them. Curry brings them energy. He's just, he's a leader. It, Curry's, Curry's great. Um, I do have my criticisms of Curry. And I have a funny story of when I was younger about Curry, but that's that's for another day. But I used to love Steph Curry, and I had Steph Curry's jersey before he even made an All Star team. And I I've never told anybody this. I've never talked about it because they got so good that like I I was just like damn like it's hard to root for a team that good. I'm not kidding with you guys. Oh this guy's this and this and that. Like I love the underdog and the Warriors just became a dynasty. I have a hat in my room. I might, you know, if anyone wants to see it, I have a picture, or I could send a picture to you guys. It's a uh, 2015, the Warriors' first championship, championship hat, uh, legit hat. It's a beautiful hat. Um, and just the championship DNA, they kept that core clay stuff. Just just shout out to the, shout out to the Warriors. Amazing team. Championship DNA. They have it all. They're gold-blooded. And it was funny because they're beating the Mavericks today. And I was watching the game with my dad. And I was like, you know, me and my dad both wanted the Mavericks to, like, you know, make make it a series, you know, fight, play, you know, have this go down to the wire. Um, but in the middle of the game when the Warriors just kind of, like, extended the lead, I was like, you know what, Dad? They have some nice jerseys. I like those black jerseys. He's like, yeah, you know what? They're really nice, actually. I was like, yeah, those colors look good on them, you know? Um, it, it's just... Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I cannot believe they made it to the NBA Finals. But it almost changed. Let's talk about game two. 
because this kind of is the series for the Mavs. The Mavericks are on fire in game two. They made all the right adjustments, and they kind of caught the Warriors slipping in the first half. I'm going to read you the leads the Mavericks had in the first half. First, they were up 26-10. to 10. Then at one point in the second quarter, they were up 53-34. to 34. Then later in the second quarter, they were up 67-48. to 48. So you can imagine, they're just hitting threes. Three, 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 three. Unbelievable. Mavericks go 16 for 29 from three in the first half. These are out of this world numbers. 16 for 29. 48 points, 55% from the three for the Mavericks. But they're only leading at halftime 72 to 58. Um, The Warriors kind of make it, you know, a 14-point lead. And everyone knows for the Warriors, that's nothing but... Me watching, I was like, okay, for the Warriors, it's nothing, but they're playing against the Dallas. They're hot. You know, if this was against the Suns, Dallas would secure this win, you know? Um, but it, it is, it, they are on the road, and it, and it was a shocker to me. And I was like, dude, if Dallas beats Golden State on the road and it's tied 1 1 going back to Dallas, like, this series is going six, seven games for sure. And then at halftime, I did say, Dallas had to win this game if they wanted any chance to win the series. Because you have that momentum. All your shooters are playing great. Luke is playing great. Everything's going well for you guys. You got it. You got to win this game. You live by the three, but then you die a horrible death by the three. That's my motto. You live by that's one of my mottos. You live by the three, but you die a horrible, terrible death by the three. And we've seen it happen throughout history since. The three has became so relevant in today's game. We saw the Rockets miss 27 threes. We saw Miami miss, I think they went, I don't know, let me see. Miami went like five for 34 from three yesterday. Um, and I could just, we could just name on it. We could go on and on and on and on about how many teams have died a terrible, terrible, terrible death from the three-point line. Um, since, since threes, you know, have become a thing and if you rely on that so much for your offense and you don't have that player that could kind of like you know get in the get in the middle and hit mid-range jumpers or attack the basket like Giannis um it's gonna get ugly and by the way the heat were seven for 45 from three yesterday 16 percent, absolutely terrible anyways back to game two the Mavericks it's not terrible but they go five for 16 from three in the second half but compare that to 16 for 25, 16 for 29 in the first half to 5 for 16. In the third quarter, though, the Mavericks only shot 2 for 12 from 3. And the Warriors won the third quarter 25 to 13. Mavericks scored 72 at halftime, and they only had 13 points in the third quarter. It started looking bad, right? Like, right at the end of the third quarter, like, they had the lead, but, like, you could tell the Mavericks just were – out of swords, they they were, they're, they're losing. They they they're like, damn, we blew this lead is this lead we had is gone, and we're playing the Warriors. Like, you know, they didn't have that. They didn't they didn't fight back. Well, you know, they did. It just it sucks. They lost the game. They ended up losing the game. A big turning point for the Warriors was in the first half. Draymond Green was not himself. He looked like when they lost against Memphis, when Draymond Green was playing bad, kind of like talking to the refs too much, um, yelling at the refs too much getting a technical, 
Um, I don't know if he got a technical that game, but I think he did. Um, throwing terrible passes. You know, he likes he likes passing the ball. He's a facilitator. But, you know, sometimes he gets a little too facilitator happy and he throws weird backdoor passes and, like, kind of passes where, like, he expects these guys to, like, catch the ball. Or, like, I don't know. He's just it looks flashy and it just doesn't work out. He gets in foul trouble in the third quarter, in the beginning of the third quarter. And Otto Porter comes in. Otto Porter had an excellent game. He shot four for four. He made the biggest difference for the Warriors. Now, if you give me 100 games and Draymond Green gets fouled out in every single game, the Warriors are losing most of the time, you know, without Draymond Green, without their defensive and just just all-around leader, without that energy from Draymond Green. But in this game, it actually helped them. And that's what that's what's crazy. And everyone knew right away. The Warriors kind of played five out. They had Looney in the middle, but they had Otto Porter. Uh, Jordan Poole, Wiggins, Steph, Clay. Clay had a bad first half. He steps it up in the second half. Um, just, just a great game in the second half for the Warriors, especially, especially Kevon Looney, who, guys, like, I know DeAndre Ayton, like, he got into it with the Suns, and, like, I guess they weren't, like, you know, the games that the Suns did beat when they beat the um, – and even the Jazz – the games they beat the Mavericks, both the Jazz and the Suns, they're getting their big man involved. Their big man is eating. Kevon Looney had a, had the best series of his life. Um, he balled the heck out, and he had 21 points and 12 rebounds in that game. Um, 10 for 14 from the field. Unbelievable. Steph Curry, 32 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 11 for 21, 6 for 10 from the three. And then he had one three specifically in the third quarter. It was so deep. Um, it gave the it gave that whole team energy, and that's that's what Curry does. And Curry, you know, I I got to get into this in a deeper like you know another time, but I I don't like how Curry isn't that good at defense. And you know, for an all time great, like I wish he was just a little bit better at defense. But he's not terrible, and he definitely makes up for it. And his energy on offense and the way he moves without the ball, just the way he moves without the ball. And one of my favorite follows on Twitter, uh, J.R. Goodman, I think I might be saying it wrong, I call him coach. He always talks about how the Warriors move without the ball and how that's Curry's, you know, that's his best ability. And that's like how I said Jimmy Butler with his pump fake is just beautiful art. Steph Curry off the ball, beautiful art. Poetry in motion. He's been doing this his whole career. And even though he had a tough stretch in the season this year, Man, he's looked good these playoffs. 32 points, eight, eight, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. The guy was averaging 10 rebounds after two games. He had 12 rebounds the first game, 8 rebounds this game. I think he had another game in this series where he had 10, 10 rebounds. And that's the way the Warriors beat the Grizzlies from out-rebounding them, out just out-hustling them. Um, in this game, too, the Warriors won the rebound battle by 13 and four extra offensive rebounds. The Warriors took four more shots from the field. And the Warriors actually shot 50% from three. 14 for 28. But, um, and, and the Mavericks actually, it, it, it was a crazy comeback. And to me, that was, that, that was the turning point in the series. And it's funny because you don't like, the turning point in the series shouldn't be a game two because, you know, the Mavericks are getting the home games. But when you have a 19-point lead, in the first half, 
and you make 16 threes in the first half. Luka Doncic has a 42-point game, five rebounds, eight assists. Jalen Brunson's 31 points, seven rebounds, five assists. Both of them combined for 73 points, 12 rebounds, 13 assists, and you lose, it's going to hurt your team's confidence. And maybe if they were a more experienced team, they wouldn't be, they would bounce back better. But I think that's where they lack is experience in, a, in the higher rounds. They played the Clippers, obviously, in the last two playoffs before this year. But I think that's what they lack. And Golden State Warriors, I forgot to talk about him, Jordan Poole. Congratulations, Warrior fans. Jordan Poole is amazing. And the reason why I'm like, he frustrates me is because he kind of like acts like, it looks like you, you would think he won the championships too with Curry, Clay, and Draymond. He has that championship DNA too, but he hasn't won a championship yet. But they've instilled that in him. That's leadership. Because I remember last season or the season before, Jordan Poole was in the G League. And a lot of people were doubting him. And, I, and he was never on my radar as a, as a solid player. Never. And then to do what he did this season, almost won six man of the year, most improved player almost, unbelievable. Congratulations, Warrior fans. He's an unbelievable player. And he's similar. It's funny. He just he fits so well with Clay and, and Curry and, and off the bench. He, he's going to have a great career. And it's just these good teams, it's like the rich get richer. The rich get richer. Anyways, the Mavericks lost game two. And it's 2-0, so they obviously have to win game three, or you have to do the impossible. In game three, the Warriors were just just played better um, all game. From the start, you know, the Warriors came into game three, and they wanted to take care of business. They wanted to kind of, sh- you know, shut the lights out in Dallas. Um, you could tell that game, two affected some Dallas role players because – they couldn't shoot the ball well. And someone that was so big for Dallas in the playoffs was Maxi Kleber. Maxi Kleber in games two and three was one for 10. And when he doesn't make his shots, he's not that effective on defense, his energy. And Jason Kidd said it too, after um, maybe after game one, or actually after the Phoenix, I, I don't know when, but you remember Jason Kidd said that the, his team, when they make shots, they play great defense. But when they don't make shots, um, you know, they're, they're, they're hurt defensively. And Kleber is one of those guys. Um, again, another spectacular game from Luka and Brunson, putting the team on their back. 60 points combined between the two, 16 rebounds, but only six assists. And I think the low assist numbers for Luka and Brunson is because Reggie Bullock shot 0 for 10, zero points. That will, that never happens. I know Nick fans are like, huh. That happened, you know, some a lot of times. But Reggie Bullock has had an amazing playoffs. He's been such an amazing pickup for Dallas. Um, I wish I had a tweet. I sent out a tweet right when Dallas signed him, or maybe it was on Instagram. And because I, I love the Knicks, I've been watching the Knicks. I'm a big Randall fan, big RJ Barrett fan. Nick, my Nick, my Nick fans that follow me, they know this. They know I love the Knicks, and um, I love Reggie Bullock on the Knicks. And he was like, great. Like he is like. Just like I said, Dorian Finney-Smith is like one of the best 3 and D players. He's another like top 10, maybe top 15, three, I mean, two top, I don't know. But he's a top, top role player in the league. Incredible defender. He showed it these playoffs. He showed it all season, even though he started out slow this season. 
but he just had a bad game. He couldn't buy a shot at home. Game three, Warriors win 109 to 100. Um, they out-rebounded the Mavericks again, 47 to 33. 14 offensive rebounds to seven offensive rebounds. Um, Wiggins, this is the Wiggins game. Wiggins look like an all-star, an all-star starter, actually. He's had an amazing playoffs. He had 27 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists. Curry, again, 31 points, 5 rebounds, 11 assists, 10 for 20, 5 for 10 from 3. What kind of numbers are these that this guy's putting in? It's so quiet. Like, no one's talking about it. I, I, I'm just realizing that now after the, after the Western Conference Finals just ended. No one's talking about Curry. How good he's been playing. Uh, Draymond Green bounces back after a very bad game two. And he has a good game in game three. He has 10 points, five rebounds, five assists, two steals, one block. Clay Thompson, not so good, but he played better in the second half. He, he he's like kind of starts out bad, but you know, he he's Clay Thompson. You leave him open, he's gonna make you pay. Warriors up 3-0. Game four was the Dallas Maverick Pride game. I should have bet all my money on that game, even though I don't gamble. I don't con- I don't like gambling. Um, <laughs> but I knew the Mavericks were going to win that game because they went so far to just get swept. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't seem right. They're too good. They have Luka Doncic. Um, it was a pride game. Kleber, who had a bad series, shot five for six. Mavericks, 20 for 43 from three. Dorian Finney-Smith finally had a great game, just like he did in Phoenix that one game. He had 23 points, 6 rebounds, 9 for 13. Luka Doncic, not so good shooting, but 30 points, 14 rebounds, 9 assists. And when Luka plays defense, his team plays so much better. And I hope he goes in the offseason. He just, he, just, he just thinks about that. He had 2 blocks, 2 steals, Game 4. And then Game 5 tonight, Warriors had control from the beginning. Dallas was kind of close, but then Warriors blew it open. Warriors ended up were up 17 at halftime today. They won 120 to 110. Um, Luca had 28 points, nine rebounds, six assists, but he shot 10 for 28 from the field, three for 13 from three. Um, just the Mavericks didn't have enough all series. But if I had to criticize the Mavericks, even though after a great year, I think Luca, you just and I tweeted about this that Luca. Um, you know, talking to people see Luca and they see him talking to the refs and complaining about the refs, and they're just like, "Oh, you know, he's annoying. He's annoying. He's this and that." But in my opinion, as as a player, I think that's a big mental hurdle that he's gonna have to get past. He's gonna have to mentally lock in his whole career to not let that get to him. You don't want to be that guy who complains to the ref and doesn't run back on defense because you're mad you didn't get a foul call. You're too good for this. You're too good for that. We need to see more from you. We need to see better. We want to see you in better shape. You're all, you're you're an all time great. You're gonna be an you you you've been first team All NBA three teams three seasons in a row. Luka Doncic, you're a great player. You could play both sides of the ball. I don't want Luka Doncic to think he he isn't he doesn't need to play defense, because when he plays defense, his team wins, and he's a smart defender. And he could come. I wouldn't be surprised one day if Luka Doncic led the league in steals, just like how Curry led the league in steals one season, and uh, Chris Paul leads the league in steals certain seasons. Dejounte Murray this season. If you're a smart defender, you don't might not be the best on ball defender, best off ball, best help, but if you're smart 
and you use those instincts and you and you have you know your ability to use your arms and hands and and feet you're gonna you're gonna get steals you're gonna create turnovers um luca put a lot of wear and tear on his body and i think that's why i said he needs to be in better shape so he could he could be that great player on both ends of the ball he's young i just for the future don't let the refs get to you and let's let's get better on defense let's 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 lock in defensively every single night you play lock in someone on twitter uh said that the mavericks he thinks that the mavericks will regress next season i think that's um that's that's a good that's a good bet because if they don't make any big moves to bring in like a bradley beal or you know rumored to be rudy gobert um you know they probably will regress i don't i don't see them making you know, I know because I, the Clippers next season, the Lakers, you know, I'm not saying those teams are going to be for sure, for sure. You know, but those two teams, the, the Trailblazers, they're said to that they want to compete again. The Nuggets are going to be healthy. Uh, the Timberwolves are getting better. The Grizzlies are getting better. Um, but the Mavericks have something good, good there. Jason Kidd, great coach. Luka Doncic, one of the best players, top five in the NBA. Okay, if he's not top five, top six, top seven, whatever. Amazing player. No matter what, they're going to be competitive. No matter what, they're going to be good. I'm excited for the future for Luca. Um, just want him to focus mentally on those certain things. The mental toughness will get him in shape, better shape. I'm not saying he isn't in shape already, but better shape. Get him his body right where he doesn't get injured. You know, he could play so many games. He could put so many minutes. He could play both sides of the ball. I'm excited for his future. And, again, congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. Whoever they play in the finals, it will be, a, hopefully, a great matchup. The last thing left to talk about on this episode is some NBA awards that have just dropped over the past week, this week, and or last week, whatever, and last week. Um, the all-NBA teams and all-defensive teams. Start by the all-defensive teams. So, first team all defense, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Mikel Bridges, Rudy Gobert, Jaron Jackson Jr., Marcus Smart. Second team all defense, Bam Adebayo, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Matisse Thybulle, Robert Williams III. Well, the only issue I have with these teams is Bam Adebayo should have been first team all defense. And it's funny because when I saw the voting, and I'm a big Jaron Jackson fan, so I'm happy for Jaron Jackson. But I did think Bam was is and was a better defender than him. Jaron Jackson obviously led the NBA in blocks this year. He had an excellent season. He anchored the Memphis Grizzlies defense. And I just thought Bam should have been all NBA first team. Bam Adebayo had a defensive rating of 104.1 compared to Jaron Jackson's 105.8, which not a big difference, but Bam Adebayo averaged 10 rebounds a game. Jaron Jackson averaged 5.7 rebounds. Bam Adebayo 1.4 steals per game and Jaron Jackson Jr. 0.9, basically a steal. Jaron Jackson, 2.3 blocks per game, led the league in blocks, and Bam Adebayo, 0.8 blocks per game. Really hope Bam Adebayo gets a block a game per season 
uh, starting next season. Um, he's very capable of averaging over a steal and a half and maybe over a block and a half. My first team all defense that I chose um, last month, I had Drew Holiday, Marcus Smart, Mikel Bridges, Jaron Jackson Jr., Bam Adebayo. Second team, I had DeJounte Murray, who led the league in steals, Matisse Thybul, Rudy Gobert, Dorian Finney-Smith, Robert Williams III. So I did miss Giannis and Takapuko. Um, I think that's the only player. Oh, Dej- instead of DeJounte Murray, um, let me see who made it on there. Instead of DeJounte Murray, who was it that we just named? Let's see. Sorry. Instead of DeJounte Murray, it was... Hmm. That's weird. Mikel Bridges, Rudy Gobert, Jaron Jackson, Marcus Smart. I forgot. I didn't have Giannis. Oh, Draymond Green. Draymond Green. Okay, okay. My bad, my bad, my bad. Uh, all these guys that the NBA picked, very deserving. Um, I like to pick players that haven't won the award before, that deserve credit for incredible seasons. Um, Draymond Green is a, is a better defender than uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, I just thought I'd give Dorian Finney-Smith some credit because he had an incredible year. Probably Dallas's best overall defender. Um, but Draymond Green deserved it, so glad the NBA put him on there. Um, for Bam, though, three seasons in a row, he's been third t- uh, second team all defense. And on the voting, he had more first place votes than Jaron Jackson Jr. But Jaron Jackson Jr. had more second and third place, whatever the voting the voting goes, however that goes. Um, I think Jaron Jackson had 63 total points compared to Bam Adebayo's 62. That sucks. Bam Adebayo's one point, two points away from being first team all defense. But, hey, I'm happy for Jaron Jackson Jr. These are some young studs at the defensive end. Another player I missed was Giannis. Um, just like like I like new guys. Like I like to see new players win these awards. Um, I think a snub, maybe Dejounte Murray, who was you know he was up there in voting. Fred Van Fleet. Um, people have been saying, oh, they need a third team all defense. Uh, I don't think so. I think two teams is perfect. Um, what else? Who else? Dejounte Murray. Yeah, I like Dejounte. He led the league in steals. I think that's very impressive. I know people say that you know who cares how many whatever you average. But, um, you know, Rudy Gobert, first team all defense over Bam. And I know he does a lot, and he, he anchors that defense. But I don't think Rudy Gobert is a better defender than Bam Adebayo. I'll argue that with anybody. Bam Adebayo is so incredible. He could cover it. He covers the – you know, I saw a tweet the other day slandering Bam. And they're like, oh, a center who tries to play like a shooting guard. Okay, well, that center could shut down any shooting guard and can sh- – Cover any player on the perimeter. He could switch anything. Bam Adebayo is incredible. And not a lot of players could do this. Giannis could do it. Okay. I think Bam is a better defender than Giannis. Maybe not a better help defender and a rim protector. But everything else, I think Bam is a little bit better. Just a little bit. It's close. It's close. I know this is, and I'm kind of biased because Bam's one of my favorite players, but I don't know. Just like him a lot. Mikel Bridges, I thought, should have won Defensive Player of the Year. Um, you know, he can't cover guys in the post. You know, as he has long arms, but, you know, Luka took advantage of that. 
Jaron Jackson Jr. is pretty good on both ends, but like I mean, pretty good at covering the perimeter and pretty good at covering the interior and help defense. But he only averaged 5.7 rebounds a game. He's only been averaging like five rebounds per game his whole career, young career. But come on, like you're a big guy. You need to be. He's taller than Bam. You know, Marcus Smart, great defender, very deserving a Defensive Player of the Year, but. Um, he can't cover all the positions Bam can cover. Shout out to the Boston Celtics, though, for having two two players on the all-defensive team. That just shows how good their defense is. Robert Williams, who's been injured most of the playoffs, he's been incredible in the regular season. He's like the anchor. that He, he was a favorite at one point for Defensive Player of the Year or, or talked about being the winner. So am I mad at the teams of the NBA pick? No. I wish I got some more um, stats on – you know, everyone's how many times they've been on the team. I know Giannis has multiple, Gobert multiple, Smart multiple. I think Bridges, I think this is his, I think he was second team last season. Um, the NBA defense is making a huge comeback. And it's been amazing to see certain players and a lot more players taking pride in defense. The NBA changing the rules to give defenders the benefit and let them do their thing. And let them get away with things that shouldn't be called fouls. And maybe we need to fix the flopping issue. So defenders just, you know, the so you, you really see the best defenders. Because Bam out of bio does nev- never flops. And same thing with Drew Holiday. Matisse Tybel. These guys are beasts. Marcus Smart's a great defender, but, you know, we all know his... And it's a skill. It is a skill. So the NBA eliminates it with rules and fines and however they could do it. I remember when NBA first started finding players for um, for flopping. I remember Marcus Smart had, had got one or two. So anyways, it's a good list. I'm just glad defense is becoming a bigger thing in the NBA. Uh, we're starting to see players who can't play defense getting played off the court unless they're Steph Curry, unless they're scoring over 25 points a game, unless they're shooting lights out from three, um, you got to be able to play defense. And I'm glad we're starting to see that trend. I think another trend that's coming up is big men. We're starting to see better bigs in the league, and they're starting to get more more credit. You know, the last two MVPs was Jokic, and second in MVP voting is Embiid. And then you have Carl Anthony Towns, Bam Adebayo, Jaron Jackson Jr., Rudy Gobert. Um, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, I think big guys – are making a comeback being the best players, you know, more more impactful players than wings. Not yet, not yet. It's a wings league, chicken wings. <laughs> but I think, I, you know what I want to see? I want to see more post play from these bigs. You know, we're seeing a lot of more versatile bigs. I want to see more back to the basket, Shaq dominance, Hakeem, Tim Duncan, stuff like that. I think we're going to start to see that. From, from not just big men, but also wings and, and guards. Anyways, on to the All-NBA first team and the rest of the teams, the second team, third team. All-NBA first team, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, the MVP, and Jason Tatum. My first team All-NBA was Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, Jokic, and Joel Embiid. You cannot have this guy. Say, I don't care. The, 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 and this is what we were going to talk about. The, the voting system has to change. Embiid and Jokic are first team All-NBA. 
after the regular seasons they had. It shouldn't be one or the other. And Embiid has been screwed twice. And Jokic deserves it too. But they both deserve it. NBA needs to change the voting somewhat, somehow. And I'll talk about that in a second about a certain someone who said something on TV that was very, 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 very weird. Anyways, Devin Booker was on my second All-NBA team, but this is the NBA's All-NBA second second team. Stephen Curry, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, John Morant. John Morant. I don't know if I said it right. Third team, LeBron James, Chris Paul, Pascal Siakam, Carl Anthony Towns, Trey Young. Anyways, my... All NBA second team was let's see Trey Young over Curry in my opinion Devin Booker because I had Embiid first team DeMar DeRozan who was second team Kevin Durant who was second team and Carl Anthony Towns because if Embiid goes first team All NBA then the next center spot or for whatever big man is Carl Anthony Towns and a Steph Curry fan was like Trey over Steph. I'm like, is that really a not? Is that really like questionable? Is that really is that really questionable right now? That like he had, like Steph is amazing, but Steph had had his struggles throughout the se- throughout the season. Trey Young was insane all year, and yeah, you know his team wasn't that good, but I I don't know I, I don't know about that one. Um, but. The fact that Trey made an All-NBA team, All-NBA 13, that's still good for him. So, basically, he got – with the NBA, they swapped him for Jaw. I think Trey Young played more games, so I thought maybe Trey Young should deserve it. But Jaw definitely deserves it. Um, and on my All-NBA third team, my picks were John Morant, Jimmy Butler, Pascal Siakam, LeBron James, and Jonas Valanciunas. Because if you have two centers on All-NBA first team, Cat second team, the next center, you could pick Gobert, you could pick Bam Adebayo. I thought Jonas Valanciunas was the was very consistent all season. He averaged 17.8 points per game, 11.4 rebounds, um, 2.6 assists per game. He was great all, all season, consistent. He, and the, and the, like just to me, he just, he's a, such an underrated player. The reason why I wanted to give him some credit was because – he just came from a brand new team. He was on the Grizzlies last year, doing great, borderline all-star talent. And he comes to the Pelicans. They start off terrible, but he's just consistently playing well, hitting threes, just balling. And they end up, you know, we know what the Pelicans did. And Valanciunas was a big part of that. And Ingram deserves a lot of credit too, more credit than Valanciunas. But, you know, I'm actually reading a comment on my Instagram. Someone said, love the JV recognition. I forgot to like that comment. Thank you. Anyways, yeah. I think I think he deserves recognition. And, you know, if you have a problem with that, whatever. My picks aren't. You know, we all have our opinions. I had Jimmy Butler making it. A lot of people said Jimmy Butler should have been over Pascal Siakam. That shouldn't be the case either. It should have been both of them. And the person that I had out, who's the, is Steph Curry. And Jimmy Butler's on the first seed in the in the heat in the East, a strong, strong East, and he's the best player on that team. He's like one of four players who didn't make it after being who didn't make an All NBA team after uh, being on the first seed in the in in the East. Four teams, and it's funny, all four teams 
that didn't get an all-NBA selection were in the Eastern Conference. One of those was the Atlanta Hawks team with Paul Millsap, Al Horford, um, I think Jeff T, Kyle Korver, that team that had four All-Stars, but no one made All-NBA. So Warriors fans were like, you know, you have to have Steph in there. And, okay, he got in there. Good, good for He deserved it too. I think a lot of these players deserve it. Now, should there be an All-NBA fourth team? No. I don't think anything about the rules should change. There should be no more teams added, no more all-star spots added, because it's already pretty easy. Everyone talks about it's already pretty easy to make the NBA Hall of Fame. Not easy. It's not easy at all. Anyone who makes the NBA Hall of Fame deserves it. But, you know, your your resume isn't as heavy as it needs to be in, in other Hall of Fames. But But that's the beauty of the game. So... I think the reason why you don't add any more all-star spots and you don't add any more teams is because, you know, it's 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 special to the players that do get in. And this is the last topic I want to bring up. That's why you cannot have media members who don't know what they're doing voting. Jalen Rose announced on ESPN that he voted Kyrie Irving third-team All-NBA. Dude. You voted Kyrie Irving third-team All-NBA who didn't play the first, like, 40 games? You didn't vote Jimmy Butler instead? If he could have, I don't know. But you didn't vote Trey Young? You didn't vote John Morant? Like, what? Unbelievable. He owned up to it, but that's not it. That's not it. Like, you you analyze basketball every single day. You're on ESPN every single day. What? How does that, like, did he did he put him on All-NBA third-team because uh, he respected his st- – his stance on politics and and other things and and you know I love Kyrie I think he's a, I think he's a G but come on now come on he did not deserve anything this year he's a great player he might get it next year he might you know he, he's gotten it before but no Jalen Rose no I also saw a tweet that said that Kendrick Perkins had vote had some weird votes I don't know if it was true I don't know if it's confirmed but it was like he didn't have Devin Booker on something weird um just you guys, you guys probably know what I'm talking about, but these are things that get players paid big money and get them bigger contracts and get them respect around their around the league, their peers, their fans. It gets them recognition to be to like to leave Jimmy Butler off the All NBA team, like All NBA third team, like that's 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 not right. And that also makes me like upset thinking about the people who are voting for these all NBA teams are the same people who voted for the all defensive teams. And the, the, you know, they have a say in so many other things. It's just, it has to be fixed. You don't need to add teams. You don't need to make it a a freaking participation award and have everyone all stars and, and all the NBA. No, fix the voting system, fix the voters. Stop getting people that are so, or like, Okay, even if they're biased, for instance, I think Bill Simmons is, is, a, is a voter. Okay, even if he's biased towards the Celtics, let's say he votes, right? And I think you need to have someone who works for the NBA overlook at his votes. So, for instance, Jalen Rose voted Kyrie Irving All-NBA third team. Someone should look at that that works for the NBA and be like, hey, Jalen, you voted Kyrie All-NBA third team. You can't do that. You need to vote someone else. He's not qualified. Hey, Bill Simmons, you're a Celtics fan. You voted 
Jalen Brown, this and this and that, and Jason Tatum for every award, and this and this and that. You need to change that. There needs to be, you know, the, as fans, we want to see a pro, like we, we want to know that the process is 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 right and the right people are voting and it's not biased. As try to be as biased as unbiased as possible. So it's something the NBA could work on. I trust Adam Silver. I know he's working on a lot of things uh, moving forward. You know, some rule changes, the voting changes. But overall, I'm not d- too disappointed with any of the teams I, I named, defensive or All-NBA. Just I thought Jimmy Butler deserved to be All-NBA. Um, glad Pascal got in. Um, also, Joel Embiid should have been first-team All-NBA. So just a few things that, you know, needs to be fixed for the future. Um, anyways, guys, thanks for tuning into my podcast. Um, I'm glad, you know, I got this started and I love doing it. So thank you for your support and have a good weekend, everybody.